I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Pro Wrestle Show live from an Airbnb in Brooklyn, near Williamsburg, Hipsterville, Will Gavin. I've got Sammy Stevens, producer Sammy. Sammy! Alongside me. He's here. It is. He really is here. It's half past midnight. We've just got back from what many people are calling a 10 out of 10 NXT takeover. We've had a hell of a Friday. What a day we've had today, honestly. For For things both incredibly positive and bizarre and weird and slightly out there. And we've still got an amazing weekend to come. So, look, we appreciate you listening to this. We're not going to do a full Mania preview and a full NXT UK breakdown, a full NXT takeover breakdown. What we're going to do, we got to sit in on Triple H's press conference about about half an hour or so. Yes. uh, At the end of the night. And there was some fascinating stuff in there. So we're going to be including Fox Sports are going to do like a Talking Dead slash UFC fight night uh, analysis show. That was breaking news. Thought that was brilliant. Yep. Um, We did other breaking news today as well. Matt Hardy, they're going to be doing some more House Hardy stuff. Yes, which is good. Which is exciting. And that's gone on the TalkSport website. Nice and exclusive for us. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, and yeah, we, uh, we, we there's so much content to get out from today that we figure why bombard you with it now when a lot of it doesn't need to be out this weekend and we'll just give it to you over the coming weeks. So when you're having your WrestleMania come down, you're going to have all this great audio and all these guests and stuff that you'll be able to hear later. It's fair to say though that a lot of what you will be hearing over the coming weeks has probably come... 90% of it will have probably come from today because we have had a day whereby <laughs> we have been in a room on a street in a car in a bus in another car on a train in a room and all for the purpose of having various interviews for your delectation so the, the day kicked off with us getting up at kind of 6 30 in the morning having originally planned to go out for one drink last night and we ended up going out with uh, Joe Roderick from, uh, from he does the podcast with World Warrior Animal. Great guy. We know him from the Super Bowl from St. Louis. And he's a great guy, great guy. And, and Glenn Joseph from Progress. And what was meant to be like one drink in a cocktail bar overlooking Manhattan, as you'll have seen from our wanky photos on Instagram, turned into heading to three more bars, going out to a German beer hall. Which was great. Having great schnitzel and yeah, bratwurst. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Tremendous schnitzel. It wasn't like a super late night, but 
what was meant to be a let's get an early night tonight turned into a not going to bed till after one. Yes. When we had such an early start. Yeah. <laughs> so basically it was a bad idea. But we got outside. I said, well, maybe we should lock the key in the lockbox, Sammy, because, you know, if one of us has to come back with the equipment, it means the key will be here rather than, you know, in one of our pockets or whatever. Very sensible idea. I mean, you can't argue with the thought behind it just in case one of us, like you said, had to pop back. So, of course, you left the responsibility to me on the grounds that initially you had decided to use the lockbox and you got into it and worked it out how it all worked and put the code and everything. It was all fine. And you thought, probably a good idea for you to familiarize yourself with it, Sammy, just in case you come back and be the one to, to sort it all out. So, of course, there I go with the key, plugging away with it, getting into the lock originally, getting the code in, opening the lock lockbox up, putting the key back in there. And then as I went to shut the lockbox, I realized I had adjusted the numbers on the front before I'd actually shut the lock shut. So I thought I'd originally had shut it with the um, with the key in it, and it wasn't fully shut. So then This is all just it, justification for you saying that you thought you'd broken the lock. I thought I massively, massively thought I'd broken the lock, because then we attempted to get back into the lockbox using what I thought was the right code to get back into the lockbox, and of course, it didn't open. So therefore, we left for the, for the day thinking... We're not going to be able to get back into our apartment, or at least I did. And we weren't going to be able to go to NXT TakeOver because we had bags of equipment and had nowhere to put it at the end of the day. So we head off. We go over to the Hard Rock Cafe. We get interviews with the likes of Matt Hardy, Casey Catanzaro, who was wonderful. I mean, she was probably, probably, aside from Triple H, obviously, probably the best talker of the day, actually. She she was was fantastic. fantastic. Um, The bar, always good fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, Scott and Dash, the revival. Who good fun? Yeah, it was only a few minutes that one because it was right at the end of the session, and I embarrassed myself horrendously. If you've not seen the video, it's on the App Pro Wrestle Show Twitter. You must have a look at it. It's funny. <laughs> um, uh, who else we have at the bar? We had uh, those guys. We had Roddy, Roderick Strong. Yeah. Who was really good value. You had a little um, picture with Bobby Lashley as well, didn't you? Did have a little... Oh, Harrington, buddy. Tremendous. My uh, my Harrington my Harrington hipster friend. Yes. I, I saw him in Harrington earlier and I was like, Bobby Lashley, when he comes over, I'm going to talk to him about his Harrington. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> he did not engage with the Harrington chat. No. I think he didn't know what Harrington was. And I think... Uh, but he was happy to have a photo with me. So uh, unfortunately, Casey Catanzaro <laughs> didn't know what diminutive meant either, did she? So oh, that caught her a little bit cold. <laughs> uh, she 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 was sort of uh, said thank you very much for, for calling it diminutive. That wasn't really quite what you meant, but anyway, there we go. So the rest of the interview was tremendous. Um, and then Alexa Bliss, who we didn't manage to to get hold of because she had done the rounds a couple of times and then got whisked away just as we were about to to talk to her. But I managed to get a little picture with her. So that that's the important thing, isn't it? Really? Oh, bless you, buddy. You were very excited about oh, it, yeah, weren't you? Yeah. I think you're more excited. Here's my ranking. Also, the Iconics, who we didn't actually get to have a chat with, but they had a great moment with the bar. Yes. Like, if I was to rank, if I was to power rank Sam's top moments of this weekend... For those of you listening in medium wave, that's power rank. (laughs) This is predictions. Meeting and getting a photograph with Alexa Bliss. Yes. That would also be the top of most people's lists, to be fair. The drag show we're going to be going to on Saturday (laughs) night. Not even been yet. Then the main event at TakeOver. Oh, that's probably fair. Although I have to say... I have to say about the main event of TakeOver, that's the first time wrestling's brought me to my feet in a long time, a very long time. So oh. I'll give it that. I, I was brought to my feet by several of the events during the... Yes, you were. Yeah. During the night. But, but then you're often brought to your feet 
that right. was no, no I'm not if there's anyone in life who has bought a set <laughs> less regularly than me if I'm in a comfy chair which after the guy you next were to you, left, you, got, oh, you got right settled in I didn't was you? spread out at my like it was fantastic mind you we had every right to settle 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 down for 15 dollar beers didn't we let's be honest i mean we weren't going to be moving anytime soon ridiculous if you can ever avoid going to the barclays center and spending that sort of money on a beer just farcical just disgusting 10 pounds 10 11 pounds for a pint of Corona. ridiculous and i think the food was probably similarly priced as well just Ugh. absolute madness i mean but the thing is like like the you know the guys we were chatting to were saying once you're inside, you're inside, and they've kind of got you in, locked you away. And there's nothing you can do about it if you want to have a drink. Even I think even the the soft drinks. I mean, a colleague of ours just down the, the aisle bought a, a, a small Coke for thirteen dollars. Oh, it's just, just ridiculous! Extra, ridiculous prices, absolutely ridiculous. So, so that we was were, the only low light of the uh, of the event at the Barclays Centre. So yeah, we went to we went and did the interviews. That was great. And then they were like, "Well, you can come back and potentially get some time with with Roman Reigns and Stephanie McMahon when they come and do the Connors Cure stuff." But like, right, we've got to go sort out a locksmith. We've got to go pick up our, <laughs> or did we? We've got to go pick up our credentials for Ring of Honor on Saturday. Yeah. And we've got to go over to MetLife Stadium where we were interviewing the CEO of MetLife Stadium for a piece we're doing later about like putting on WrestleMania at such a big stadium and what it takes. And he was fascinating. We'll get to that. But, but for anyone else, the trip to pick up the tickets for Ring of Honor would have been the simplest process in the world. <laughs> of course, Will and I ended up being this... <laughs> Really convoluted journey where we ended up talking to some guy at the security desk before we were about to get scanned to find out where we needed to pick up our tickets, only to then find that it was actually not in the place where we thought it was, which we thought it was just the main entrance to Madison Square Garden. It wasn't. It was around to some media entrance, which we eventually found after upsetting a local law enforcement officer. And then um, as we as we arrived at the, at the, the desk, um, further... Hilarity ensued, didn't it, Will? We 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 went up. We're like, we literally just want to pick up our tickets and get out of here. We've got so much on today. It's too busy to be doing anything else. Got got to potentially be doing this lot box and everything else. We've got so much to get on with. Uh, But the guy was so enthusiastic. He's like, "Follow me. I'll show you where you need to go." And we're like, "All right, let's go and see." So we thought we would just go out into the main room. Went to the main room. Saw Naito. Did a little wee. Um, <laughs> like he was as close to me as you are now, Sammy, and it was very exciting. You got very excited, actually, didn't you? Legitimately. Like, yeah. you thought I was in a mood today. How you can think a man that got that <laughs> excited about seeing another human being could ever be in a mood, I don't know. But um, he led us backstage, took us upstairs to what was clearly an interview room. I was like, right, fine. So we'll meet the PR guy, who's a good guy, sorted us out with some really good stuff in the past. And he was like, well, TalkSport guys, you're available to do something now? And we're like, uh, maybe, okay. And then he went, Here's Mark Haskins. And Mark Haskins was just sat at the table and he was like, yeah, I could do five minutes now. So we go to sit down. And I was like, well, I know Mark. We've done had Mark a few times. Yep. Nice guy. Very funny Marty Skull stories, which we'll get to. Yep. On the, we'll play that interview at some point. And as we sit down with him, suddenly the other members of Lifeblood start to sit down with us. And you're just going, holy mother of what is... Yeah. actually happening right now uh, of course we were totally unprepared to do the interview weren't we so we were faffing around with it and uh, you, you you dropping the phone <laughs> midway through the interview that we were filming time. it on um, couldn't have made any louder a noise if it tried with me trying to fix up a tripod and put my phone in it and then dropping said phone subsequently was uh, was very amusing uh, so we sat there with, with Mark Haskins and, and then um, who who came over Immediately afterwards, it was. I'm trying to think who, who else was there. So it was. 
Oh, Juice Robinson came over. Yeah, that was it. Mid-interview, Juice Robinson just yeah. suddenly appeared out of nowhere. Just suddenly, like, came and got involved. And we were already chatting to uh, Tracy Williams, Hot Sauce Tracy Williams, and Mark Haskins. And then Juice Robinson's just like, hey, guys, want me to get involved? And I'm like, you might be the best baby face in the world right now. Please come and sit down and talk to me. And I asked, like, one more question to the guys we were talking to. It was like, Juice, tell us about your, um, yes. your journey from WWE to New Japan. Just held the mic out. It's just like yes, yeah. so that will all be coming. Yeah, and he gives some very, very interesting answers on that actually. So uh, yeah, well worth listening out for that one. I won't spoil it now, but um, he was he was good value. Went for good barbecue food with Joe. That was nice. We did, we did. We had some brisket, didn't we? Banging brisket, outstanding. Surprising to get food that good in Manhattan, but Joe didn't go for the brisket, did he? He went for uh, he went for the sort of vegetarian option, macaroni, mac and cheese, cheese, and uh, some chips. That's well, that's that's like the that's the Trent Seven vegan option. Yes. Trent Seven, who, yes. who once said to us, I struggle with being a vegan. I tend to find I eat chips and drink beer. And I'm like, doesn't really sound like the healthy vegan lifestyle. But okay, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm fine with it. Because um, you're always not celiac, isn't it, really? <laughs> well, yeah, no, it, it really is. And then we decided that we needed to get over to MetLife Stadium. And that's where the day really started to get yes. out of hand. Surreal, I would say. There was the bus station incident. Yes. We went to the bus station thinking we'll get a bus over to MetLife. Yeah. That'd be fine. Yeah. Couldn't get on a bus. There were, you had to get on an escalator to get up to the bus, but you can get on the escalator without a ticket. And couldn't then you had to get a ticket from a machine. There was no human being that could get us a ticket. But couldn't, couldn't even use... use the bus ticket machines. Far too confusing. So we sacked that right off, didn't we, Will? Got a $60 Uber out for the MetLife <laughs> Obviously, instead. as you do. <laughs> um, went there. Very impressive. around. MetLife. Very rained on and very cold. Yeah. Met a lovely proper Jersey bloke. Yeah. Big Springsteen fan. Formerly Mike a Jets on the fan. Desk, yeah. Got sick of them. Um, chatted to him for like 20 minutes while we waited for somebody to come and pick us up in a, a not a golf cart, but like one of those carts that they have that take around big venues or sometimes you see in airports. Yes. Like, yeah, it was like an air, airport baggage carousel type vehicle. Picked us up from security in that. Got us on there, went, hold on. I nearly fell off immediately as soon as he pulled away. He drove us literally 30 feet. Yeah, literally we could have walked door. it by that time and gone in the main entrance by the time and been waiting in the warm in the time that it took for him to pick us up on that little trolley and drive us to the, to the door. Ridiculous. But we went down, we, we met with the, the CEO of MetLife, had a fascinating comment. We were with him for two plus hours and it was great. Yeah, it was brilliant. Got to go in and see the stadium. We did. Got to go in and see the stage yeah, set up. By the time you're hearing this, you you may well have seen it. WWE may have tweeted out, etc. But it is looking really impressive. Like we can't say anything. We weren't allowed to take any photos. That's fine. But uh, it was. I'm really excited about it. It's now. really. It's a truly awe-inspiring stadium. And breathtaking. As soon as you go, sort of jaw drops as you realise the magnitude of it. And even though it's a stadium, what is the capacity? Will sort of. I think was it'll it be 65? eighty. It'll be eighty plus thousand. Okay, it's about eighty thousand ish. Not the biggest stadium I've ever been in, but certainly when you look, <laughs> well, humble brag. Yeah, that humble brag indeed. But when you when you look around it, it's it looks. It's just got this sort of sense of awe and magnificence about it. It looks absolutely enormous on the inside. And um, yeah, for anyone who has attended attended Mania or watching it on TV, even it should hopefully it'll, it'll radiate just the, the grandeur of the of the venue. It's obviously it was it's very recently been at MetLife as well, but hopefully I think even more so because I think it's fair to say that it's a bit more stripped back this time. So um, it'll, in the right way, in the right way. But I think that what it'll do is it'll show off MetLife for all its all its worth, probably even more so than it did last time. And, and I think compared with last year in New Orleans, which was spectacular and a great event in terms of attending, but 
they struggled to sell tickets. Like on StubHub, you could buy a ticket up in the gods for 25 bucks on the day. And it was this year, you can't get tickets even up in the cheap seats for less than three, four hundred, five hundred dollars $500. Like it is the hottest ticket in town. It is, uh, uh, Ron was telling us that the CEO of MetLife Stadium, that the makeup of people at the event was it ten? It was either was it ten or twenty percent was international, and then seventy percent was from over one hundred and fifty miles away. Yeah, and only the remainder was local. So yeah, that's it exactly right. So many people into the area as well. It's going to be the actual event on Sunday, regardless of what you think of whether the card is bloated now at sixteen matches with the pre-show that's seven hours long. <laughs> the media guide says. We'll start at 7 p.m. Finish time, approximately 11 p.m. Right? Mm. 11 p.m., my ass. It's going to go past yeah. midnight. Bearing in mind, the last train is now scheduled to leave at 2.20 in the morning. That tells you probably more likely when, when things will be winding down at the end of WrestleMania, doesn't it? Not quite that late, but obviously that's incl- that's enabling people to leave and get on a train um, in time. We're lucky that we're going to be that there's going to be a media bus lay on because it was the journey back where things got really out of hand. Oh, yes. When yeah. we yeah. desperately tried to get a taxi. <laughs> yes. Couldn't. Tried to get a bus. Waited at the bus stop. Couldn't find the bus stop because it had apparently been blown up. Like, honestly, there was a traffic cone over where it used to be. Yeah, but apparently it was so, an yeah. ashen mess on the floor. Yeah. Uh, did eventually get on the bus. You got very worked out, up on the bus, didn't you, Will? Well, we only to find out that it was going to take us... 55 minutes just to get back to Manhattan. Yeah, it was. We got then have right get... in the heart of rush hour by the time we left. So, of course, the traffic was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so then have to get two tubes to get back to our apartment to only potentially find out that we couldn't get into it anyway because of the lockbox. And we were getting to a point where we were going to be missing we were the beginning of takeover. Really, yeah. It was... Cu- well, we, the we pants walked stuff. in during the end of Alistair Black's intro. Yes, literally about that. As the first collar and elbow tie-up was happening, there we were. Yeah, exactly. Our seats. So... It was ridiculously cutting it fine. You don't need to know the fineries of that journey, but it was pretty bizarre. There was a band playing Fleetwood Mac on the station. We got off at the wrong station at one point and then had to get back on the train. But we get back to the apartment, we go to the lockbox, and what happens, Sammy? What happens is uh, you manage to get into it. Yeah, why? Because I had been repeatedly in the morning putting in the wrong code. Despite the fact that I verified that code with you on the morning and had texted it to you and had told you it the night before. And I must have at some point got into that code because I managed to get in there to put the key, to put the key in there in the first instance. So you'd used the right so code. So I'd used the right code and then immediately the forgotten in, it. Closed it and then used the wrong code. And then used the wrong code, yeah. yeah. So I don't quite know how that all happened. Spent the entire day on a knife's edge about whether or not yeah. we were going to get to yeah. go to takeover. Stressing out while running around like blue-arsed flies. We we spent in transit today. We must have been four or five hours on various... It was like plane trains. Honestly. It really was. I can see that plane trains and automobiles today. Uh, and on that situation, you would assume that I'd be John Candy and you'd be Steve Martin. But I feel like it was the other way around. I think it probably was, partially. And... Uh, <laughs> And the reason that we were so concerned was, of course, that we had to, we had to drop our bags off because we wouldn't be able to take them into the um, into the Barclays Centre. That's why we were so concerned about it. <laughs> I'm really glad you went over the fineries of those details. Well, the reason I thank say you it, so much, Sam, I the, really appreciate the reason it. I, the reason I say that is because obviously, I think, well, why is it so important that you get back to your apartment? But that was the reason why we, we would have uh, unfortunately had to miss takeover. Now, never mind the fact that we would have been momentarily homeless as well at the end of the show. But uh, obviously, more important to the immediate future was that uh, we wanted to get to the show. And we we just about made it in time so that's the main thing after all that 
And what a show it was. Sensational. Sensational. Now, I, it was interesting to me, and it was the biggest venue they've ever done NXT in. It was the biggest gate, highest attendance and, and everything else, and, and incredibly impressive. But I thought it took the crowd after the tag match. The crowd were hot for the tag match. And the tag match yeah, they were, they were rabid to start with the crowd, weren't they? And, and, and the tag match was excellent. And there worked some phenomenal spots and, and Ricochet and Alistair did their things and, and thought War Raiders were the best I've seen them in NXT. Yeah, they're great fun. Um, certainly the, the the best I'd seen. I, I much prefer them, just a classic straight up two-on-two tag match rather than, you know, War Games, they make sense because they're big guys and yeah. they're War Raiders and everything else. But this was much more the pace that I want to see them at and they were fantastic and it was a brilliant match and an emotional send off Ricochet in genuine tears at the end with yep. the send off they got and you yep. thought, I think Ricochet's only been there what just under a year because he, like, he came in and ascended very quickly because of his kind of reputation now, it's not a guy who like we spoke to Casey Catanzaro who came in with no wrestling experience and NXT has been her whole wrestling life absolutely this guy has done it all yep Throughout but the scene, to get that response from that crowd on that night, it was it was a beautiful moment. Yes, it was. It, it really was, and it does make you feel that um, NXT, obviously not just the developmental brand, but it does very much feel like it attracts the sort of indie fans, the the indie fan base, because the 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 reaction that people people get the. The, not just the passion, but also the knowledge of the crowd is quite remarkable. It's it, you know, I think they can they they are familiar with the history of a lot of these athletes, um, even if they've had, as you just said, well, limited time in the WWE's brands. If they've been around the indie scene, these the, the fans generally know about them. I think that tells you all you need to know about why Ricochet got such a big sort of um, big sort of uh, greeting for his send off. Um- then it was Velveteen Dream against Matt Riddle. Fantastic entrance from Velveteen Dream. Crowd were really hot at the start of it. They worked a really interesting match. I, th- I thought the story was fantastic with Riddle refusing to kind of engage with the mind mind games of Dream, with Dream being resilient, but also playing a little bit of the chicken shit heel stuff, yeah. kind of a mix of the two. Um, I, I, but it did... I, I think... Maybe the issue with the NXT crowd, and we'll come on to this more with Pete and Volta because that match was stunning, but didn't get the reaction until the finish that I thought it deserved. Maybe because we were up in the gods, and maybe it sound, looked better on t- and sounded better on TV. Yeah. And certainly the main event and the women's match both got a real pop, but NXT fans, it almost feels like are so used to the big spots, the big moments, the cool stuff. Like, And in there is so much cool stuff. Like, what we've probably, what I've forgotten really about Adam Cole and, and Johnny Gargano, because the ending was so good, the final fall was so fantastic. Actually, the first two falls, all of the stuff with how well they'd scouted each other, the constant reversals, yeah, yeah. the not falling for each other's moves, the all that stuff worked brilliantly, but it leads to fun moments, spot moments, stuff like that. And, I thought that they didn't warm to Riddle and Velveteen Dream as much because the fact that he wouldn't be joined by them, it, it kind of it didn't make it very spotty. It made it kind of a real kind of standard old-fashioned wrestling match. And I thought Riddle was phenomenal. Yes. But they only really went wild when he did the second rope German suplex from the outside, which is just... An unbelievable just, spot. Yeah. Ridiculous. ridiculous that Kota Ibushi elevated German yeah. that he does uh, just 
mind blown. And it did take it away from me a little bit that the crowd didn't give the response to it as much as possible. And I think I felt a little bit with Volta and Pete Dunne as well because I think outside of the NXT UK brand and, and the UK and German markets, Volta maybe for as big as he is on the indie scene, there'll be a lot of people there who only watch NXT and WWE products. And so maybe I'm judging it by too high a standards and I want everyone to be singing his whole theme and I want people to be popping really hard all the way through. But the story those two told and the way that match came together was... Oh, yeah, so crisp, so old school, so slow burn. Um, the sort of thing that, you know, if you're a classic wrestling fan, you would absolutely love, certainly really fully appreciate. And I think that the, the difficulty with modern crowds particularly is that there's an expectation of spot work in terms of that tends to be what gets the big reactions like you've just said, Will. And um, I think in the, in the Pete Dunne match... Uh, with Valter with particularly it w particularly early on there weren't too many high spots it was very much sort of hold followed by hold followed by a little bit of you know toing and froing and that seemed to just because of the slow pace that just seemed to sap the life out of the crowd somewhat now it may have been that they were enjoying it but sitting on their hands because there wasn't much they could really pop for but it felt like that the energy level had and after the Velveteen Dream match as well kind of a just just seeped a little bit out of the crowd and that I think it then took a little while to then pick that back up again for whatever and, reason and look it was people want wrestling to be more legitimate yeah you know Fox are desperate for a more legitimate sport-like product that's what they're looking for and this was violent and raw and hard-hitting and it felt like a brawl it felt like a real fight and they sold it brilliantly the facial like Pete's work like his selling in ring his facials like everything he does is just so believable isn't it it's got and it's improved so much and we'll hear from Triple H on how impressed he's been with him in the improvement in Pete in a moment but it's marked though isn't it it, it is marked yeah, when I first saw Pete wrestle in, in Indies three or so years ago, four years ago, he was already good. Yeah. He's now, it's amazing tonight, you probably saw three or four of them. He's now in easily, well, Pete's in my top five wrestlers in the world right now, my yeah. personal list. Don't know how other people feel about that, but for me, as people I've seen live, as people I love, as people I know, I've never seen a Pete the match that didn't deliver, mm -hmm. whether it was a comedy trio that he and the British Strong Style guys did with CCK or whether it is you know something like we had with Volta tonight whether it's him having to go up against a high flyer and change his style never ever ever disappoints mm. I, I really want them to now with Volta he, he needs to now turn into the monster he mm. needs to just run through people for the next six months like and there's enough of those kind of guys on the NXT UK brand who he can you know guys like I'd love to see Mark Andrews get a title match. I'd love to see uh, Flash get a title match. I'd love to see, like, I know they're kind of focusing on the tag stuff at the moment, but those are guys who can have hope spots, can have fight and resilience, but at the end of the day, they can't beat the monster. Mm. And that's how I want to see Volta booked. I want to see him just as, oh, just absolutely going to... And I think that's maybe where... Um... I, I wouldn't say I had an issue with the match because it was an exceptional match and we shouldn't um, we shouldn't try and paint it as anything else. And obviously, if you catch it back on uh, on the WWE Network or whatever, you get a chance to watch it, then do because it's, it's worth watching. But I think whereby maybe the classic wrestling fan in me, the instinct suggests that 
I mean, there's a, a big old a big old weight gap between the two. Pete Dunne, sort of a couple of hundred pounds, you know, wet through. Uh, Walter pushing 300 pounds. And, you know, you're looking at a, a storyline where, which developed, which was mostly to do with kind of um, a hold-for-hold type contest that then... You got, you got literally annoyed that he managed to powerbomb him out of the corner. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't the it? I mean, difference. You're like... Actually, he's the, never been booked as a as a not a strong guy. Well, actually, the the way that they did it, it worked really well with the powerbomb out of the corner. But generally, I'm not for the idea that that you know a, a smaller wrestler manages to powerbomb a, a heavyweight or a, a super heavyweight wrestler because usually it's, it should be the other way around, and that's it's again it's dictating that element of power. And I think you have to, as somebody who is uh, working from a sm- much smaller frame, much smaller base, you generally generally would be fighting uphill for the whole match, and the story would be trying to overcome the odds and it felt like they were quite evenly matched in terms of the way that they that the match was delivered rather than it being Pete Dunne fighting uphill to try and overcome Valta and maybe that's something they might look at as a reason why it just took a slight edge off it perhaps if there'd been the element of a few hope spots for Pete Dunne a little bit earlier on in the in the in the in the contest or maybe a little bit even a bit later on where he thought he's going to make a comeback now it's going to happen and then it just doesn't quite happen that might have been a, a thing that would have elevated it to the next level that's not to detract from the match as a whole as a if you just take the match as a standalone but perhaps in terms of the the disparity between the two that might have made a little bit of a difference to how I viewed it it's an interesting time for a title change as well and we'll hear from Triple H about what could be next for Pete I wouldn't be like John will be back at home determined that he's going to be on Monday Night Raw on Monday yes oh yeah absolutely Uh, but he would have been that either way (laughs) Um, it's been John's thing for about a year and a half now basically Pete Dunne's going to be on every single Monday Night Raw <laughs> I, but I would fully endorse him getting a shot at a run at that or you know if he's interested in doing it coming over and doing NXT full time for a while yeah and to, like Triple H said it was clear that they hadn't made a decision on what he was going to be doing yet but don't be surprised to see him kind of you know, if we, he he literally said, no one here has a brighter future than Pete Dunn at 24 years old. Yeah. And he tells some great stories about his development and stuff. So we'll get, again, we're going to get to all of that. It feels like the women have been a, not buried by this because it was still a great match. I really enjoyed it. I thought at, at that point it might have been the, the match of the night. Maybe that's perhaps possibly recency bias in terms of some of the other matches on the card. But they put in a great a great shift, didn't they, the women? And, and I really liked how they played with the two... Japanese characters being the faces and the other two being the heels and the kind of team ups, but then going against each other when it was just Io Shirai and Kai Kari Sane in the ring together, just the two of them, and they went back after each other. They put on just a oh, an absolute a, clinic, yeah, a, a, like the crispest, tightest, just spot on, just smoothest, most believable, just wonderful wrestling and. Bianca Belair still continues to be an absolute superstar. You really like Bianca Belair, I, don't yeah, you? Yeah, the strength, the hair, the I just I think she's got really got something about her I, in, to the point where I think this would have been potentially the right time to take the title off Shayna, especially as we consider what's going to happen with the Four Horsemen, mm, the Rollins Mania, with all of that. It would have stirred Sunday into even more of a fever if she'd lost. I think. But I loved the finish. Like we could go over spot by spot this match, but I loved the the Bianca Belair doing the double, uh, not Death Valley Driver, but the the, the double. Um, what's what's it called? The um, KOD that she calls it. Oh yeah. The, um, doing the double on uh, on Shirai and Kyrie Sane, and then you get the save 
directly into the clutch and the fight was really believable yeah. and then she taps and we had her already get out of one earlier in the match yeah. lovely call back to that yeah. but it was how like she'd shown her strength and had this amazing moment but that probably was what did her in and it was and, a great and it story was, it, it worked well with Shane as well because it, it showed a real ruthless streak that she wanted to finish the match there and then you know she saw an opportunity where the two Japanese women were down and out and, and took the opportunity of real opportunism that, that was displayed and um I think it was yeah a really powerful finish, and I think what's really nice now is is seeing how the women are not afraid to be booked in a similar style to some of of the the differences in some of how the men are booked. I mean, the Bianca Belair is booked as a powerhouse, great. Um, you know, Shayna Baszler is booked as someone who is obviously a legitimate sort of uh, martial artist or or like an MMA fighter, which she is. And and I think that's it's, nasty streak. And it's great. It's not just we're not just talking about women booked as women have traditionally been booked in a in a wrestling context. We're talking about them now fitting into lots of different categories in the same way that the men do. And I think that's a fantastic thing. Um, and then the main event, which was, I mean, Johnny Gargano has now had. I would say three five-star main events and one 4.75-star main event because I, I still think the last man standing with Champa wasn't as good as the New Orleans and I'm not willing to melt it and go, well, that one should get a six, so this one should get a five kind yeah. of thing. But between his, between Philadelphia last year with Andrade up to this point, what was amazing was that they came in and Adam Cole was clearly insanely over an undisputed era massively insanely over and actually when Gargano won the second fall there was a little smattering of booze Mm. like loud enough to hear it through the crowd and there were some people who even though and I said it to you straight away like I said Candice LeRae and or Tommaso Ciampa are going to come out and it's going to be great yeah they ended up both coming yeah exactly yeah um but there were some people who were so annoyed that Adam Cole hadn't won that they just left. Yeah. They literally upped and walked out. I could see him down the bottom. Just, yeah. There was a kind of maybe 10, 15% of the crowd who were visibly frustrated and annoyed and went. But the match itself, what we were just saying about the callback internally to the match, I loved that. The first fall came from the from the knee. What's he called the knee? I'm, I'm trying to remember the, the last shot. The second fall comes from the Gargano escape. I said it earlier, but the kind of back and forth between them was just phenomenal throughout. But that third fall in a self-contained match had everything it needed to in the ring. It also had the big spot with the table outside. I, you know, didn't it didn't necessarily need that bump to elevate it, but it did. Make, it was a great moment, and I like that the the, the the nonsense, the undisputed era nonsense that came in was right near the end. It wasn't something that happened yeah. throughout but was well done, and it was about Gargano overcoming that. Once he overcame that and kicked out from the last, uh, from the from the knee again, the the shot, that was such a brilliant callback to the fact that he'd pinned by it earlier, and this time he'd had the high-low and then had that, and then it was just the, that when wrestling and storytelling within a ring just transcends to that level where you just, everyone was on their feet and lost their mind and to have Gargano come in as the weird crowd underdog for someone who has been so over for so long to buy the end of it for the vast majority of the crowd to be delighted that he finally got his moment he finally could claim that title of Mr. Takeover Johnny Takeover sorry even though it didn't come against Champa which we're all a bit disappointed about yeah tell that story down the line yeah let Tommaso Champa get healthy 
and then either bring them together or have them finally have that rubber match or kind of rubber match on a mania card in two years time yeah yeah and it, and as, an intercontinental title yeah whack them in a ladder match whatever just they will they will they will make magic again and it will be wonderful to watch but right now is his moment and i loved it without doubt i mean i think like you just said there um the fact that he managed to win over the crowd that were slightly against him if you will yeah, certainly they were partisans to the point like, where they were when, when people really on adam the, cole's side um, Johnny Wrestling, Adam Cole. I would say the Adam Coles were twice as loud as the Johnny Wrestling. Yeah, I agree, and I think you could see that you know, by the entrance and and as you say, by the you know Adam Cole winning the first four got a massive pop, and then I think people were a little bit disappointed with the with with Johnny Gargano winning the second four and were slightly kind of maybe even disengaged with the idea of him winning winning you know winning the match and and winning the title and but then. The brilliance of Johnny Gargano, just his ability to fight uphill, his ability to sell and make everything so believable and to make it seem like the odds are so massively against him that it's almost impossible that he's going to achieve anything and then to come out. But to do it in such a way that it just is so incredibly believable and also so incredibly engaging. And there's the amount of near falls that didn't look hokey. I mean, there are so many times where you see a near fall and think, oh, he's going to kick out of this now. But there were so many times with false finishes where you thought, this is going to be it. This is definitely going to be it. One, two, rather than three. Perfect timing, perfectly executed, perfect time in the match to do it. And I really like the fact that the first two falls were grouped. They weren't exactly quick fire, but they weren't exactly... 13 minutes and 20 minutes. There you go. in front of me here. And how, how, what was the final, The last... Uh, the, the, the last one was another 18 minutes. On yeah, that. and that it felt like there was a much longer sort of build towards that final four, and it was I just totally, sensational. I'd totally forgotten that some of the spotty stuff they did. The reverse runner was amazing. Yeah. Um, the Destroyer was amazing. And the fact that with the table, earlier in the match, they teased the idea of Adam Cole doing Champa's finishing move, the Devil Wings, and Gargano escaped it, which was part of that kind of thing of, I'm going to do something he doesn't expect, and he still scouted it and still got out of it. Yeah. But then he was, well, not put through the table, but <laughs> hit onto the table using Champa's finishing move in itself was one of those... Just mind blowing moments. That just, just, just well done. Everyone, you've, you've, you've had a, you've had a stunner. Yeah, absolutely sensational. Well done. Uh, just a brilliant, brilliant main event. A great climax. And by the end, everybody was rooting for Johnny Gargano. And um, as you say, well, culminated with the appearance of his wife, and then um, also um, Tommaso Ciampa as well to sort of really crown the achievement. And it, it just felt like a the perfect culmination, really, to what was a terrifically told story and and yeah one of the one of the best main event matches that i've seen for a long long time we um <laughs> so we move on we go to supercard tomorrow then wrestlemania sunday then raw on monday so we'll have a couple more podcasts big things time. expected now though after after tonight you have well, to say after i last thought night. it was really funny that triple h on at least three occasions in this press conference we're going to put in now yeah said that the bar was set and he didn't say for wrestlemania he said for everyone else putting on a show this weekend. Now, if that wasn't a shot across the bow of Ring of Honor and New Japan and the MSG show, the fact that he then repeated it two more times took yeah. my suspicion and confirmed it. Yeah. He's a very intelligent man. He is. A very engaging he man. He knew what he was doing. He did. And, I, you know, it, it was brilliant. So, you know, we go on to Supercard tomorrow with our new best friends, Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr., Yes, indeed. I say new best friends. I shook their hands and said hello to them. Yes, and they were very, very polite. I have to say. 
<laughs> they were. They were lovely. They were, <laughs> they were very, charming. Yeah. Proper English gents. They were. Uh, it was quite lovely to see them. They'd done their stuff for the day and they were heading back to the hotel. And Zach kind of, he's such a polite, just lovely <laughs> lad, just kind of went up and said, Sorry, mate, is it okay if we, we leave out this way? It's like, I've seen you brutalize human beings. Really. <laughs> like, Stop pretending you're polite. Yeah. Uh, and he's just yeah. like, they were like, where are you going? He went, oh, we're done for the day, so we're just going back to our hotel. I love the idea that mm. Zach and Will, they popped back to the hotel, had a bit of lunch together. Like, that little, the idea of that little bromance of the yeah, two of them just yeah. really pleases me. I just love, I love the idea of it. Um, but I think we're expecting big things from that show tomorrow. And I yeah. Think, um, but I think that it's it's great. You know, competition is healthy. I think the, the having high expectations is a good thing. I think people, everyone wants to outperform each other. I think WrestleMania being WrestleMania, as we've experienced in the past, they have been mixed and I don't think it really matters, but I think there's only so long that WWE can get away with with having an underwhelming WrestleMania. If indeed, I mean, there's no reason why they will this year. It could be an absolutely sensational one, and we're expecting big things from it. But I think that the you know the, the scale and the grandeur and all those things we were talking about before in terms of MetLife, it only goes so far when you look at the quality of wrestling that's being put on around the world at the moment. And the NXT is absolutely flying. ROH New Japan outstanding promotions as well and I think we'll see that again on Saturday night tonight whatever you want to call it and um, so I think that's where the WWE will hopefully feel they have to deliver as well and really you know not just the the quality of the venue but also the quality of the wrestling will hopefully match it Um, the Supercard card we've gone through it before it's phenomenal do we need to go through Mania do we need to talk anything about it do we need to excuse me um IPA is maybe very gassy. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Do you want to run through some quick predictions of the matches, or do you want to have a look, look, look through some of the things to pick out a few matches or something? Or how do you want to? We do? should really only spend about five minutes doing it because this intentionally short show has now gone incredibly long. <laughs> We're on 40 minutes already. We still got half an hour of Triple H to insert. Well, we can um, we can we can do it as a bit of a blast later at some other stage if you want. Um, break very, it up a little bit. Very interesting that uh, earlier we we saw our friends from Gorilla Position. Uh, James Tilo, somebody made a crack about us being, you know, the ugly sisters or whatever they say <laughs> about us. Um, they interviewed Kurt Angle earlier, and Kurt Angle essentially suggests, said that John Cena is having a match at WrestleMania. Mm. Oh, at this point, it wasn't John. It's not going to be John, but I'm sure he'll do brilliant at what he's doing. We know he's in town. He was signing autographs, and the guy from Ireland who we met um, had a photo with him earlier. Uh, that is a hundred percent. If there's one swerve happening tomorrow, it's going to be John Cena getting involved in the Kurt Angle match. And I hope it's just as we fantasy booked it that he just squashes Corbin, like literally ankle lock tap. It can be. I'm talking, um, uh, Randy. Uh, that was that SummerSlam we were talking about the other week. The uh, Randy against was it Shinsuke? Rusev? Randy against Rusev. That was it. Ugh, Rusev was so over back then. Randy against Rusev, which was like 10 seconds. I'm talking Seamus Daniel Bryan in San Francisco. I'm talking that kind of level of squash. And then John Cena comes out and just goes, you can't go out like that, brother. Let's do this. He can even come out as the, you know, and I doctor think, of thugonomics. I think that there, there, it's been hinted at on the grounds that, you know, the WWE corporate machine, you know, in terms of the, the people they put up for interview and that sort of stuff, They've been quite negative about the match. Not negative, but they've been sort of saying, oh, we're a little bit disappointed that it didn't quite happen. And you, I don't think you'd necessarily hear that unless there was, you know, something in the works. Otherwise, they'd sort of say, no, I think it's been, you know, it's a great choice to have Baron Corbin in there or whatever. And the fact that they've sort of, even Kurt Angle himself has been sort of it's, it's announcing his disappointment over it tells you that there probably is more to it than meets the eye. Yeah. Let's run through the card then and just give our very quick position. I'm talking 
we're going to be here another five minutes, and then we'll get to Triple H. All right. Uh, the rival against Kurt Hawking. Oh, let's do the pre-show first. Um, Buddy Murphy and Tony Nice. I think Buddy Murphy retains. I'm really disappointed. There's stuff that I would stick on the pre-show miles before this. But yeah. I think Buddy Murphy retains. Yeah, agreed. Uh, do you have a winner of, in mind for the women's and men's battle royals? It's, it's so difficult to call, isn't it? That's the thing. It's. Um, it's I, I want Asuka to run wild and win the uh, Hopefully, wins. yeah, hopefully. Um, but so for the men's, I don't know. I don't know. No, I mean... Um, I'm not sure I can. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's one of those <laughs> things, isn't it? Let's have Matt Hardy win it back-to-back. Uh, <laughs> right, the revival against Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. I think, revival, I think. Revival. Yeah. And I'd like, that'd be one I'd be stunned about. Uh, the other tag match, the Usos against Ricochet and Black against The Bar against Shinsuke and Rusev. I skewed negative when I saw Triple H earlier about the idea of Ricochet and <laughs> Black losing three title matches in a week. Um I think they're going to win it. Do you really? I think they're going to stand tall at the end of this week after losing a Raw tag title match and an NXT tag title match to stand tall with the SmackDown tag titles. Wow, that's interesting. I think I might I might, might lean towards the bar there, but I, I'm not quite sure what leads me in, in that direction. Maybe just being that we chatted to them earlier, so that might be that, <laughs> that's fresh in my mind. But um, it could go any, any way, I think, the that, that match. Me, the bar, the Usos, the New Day, the... Um, yeah, these are all teams that could switch after the brand split. Yeah, and none of them need the titles either. Really, they would improve or massively immediately, whereas Ricochet and Aleister Black can carry the titles and do something with them. I I'd love to see them win it. I would love to see them win it. So, so you know, coming up through the ranks and and the next generation, all the rest of it, and, and that's a team that need the rub and and everything else. But um, it's one of those ones that it, it's, I don't know whether um, the, the bookers really care enough about it to sort of uh, think about think of it, about things in those terms. Who knows? We'll see. The women's fatal four-way tag. Boss and Hug. I can't believe I called them that. Beth Phoenix and Natalia, the Iconics, <laughs> and Nia Jax to win it. I want the Iconics to win it, and not just because we met them earlier and they were delightful. They were delightful. But I'm really enjoying them right now. I want them to have a real breakout performance. Really? I think Beth Phoenix will be brilliant after watching her this week on TV uh, but I suspect that Sasha and, and Bailey I think I think Boston Hug will retain I think it would be a bit you know I think it would be a bit short-sighted for them to have uh, to have won the belts in, in the fashion that they did and then drop them already at Mania so I think they'll probably keep them for a little bit longer yeah. uh, let's do the singles matches which don't involve a title Roman and Drew I mean it's Roman but Drew McIntyre. This is a, a one it's a good of those opportunity for Drew, isn't it? It's one of those win-loss situations. You're going up against the biggest star in WWE right now, yeah. On the grandest stage of them all, when you have only returned to the company or certainly only returned to the main roster within the last year, you know, if he puts in an incredible performance and shines in a loss, that will make the Triple H's and the Vince McMahon's of this world sit up and go, right, let's get him in a title match. Yeah, yeah. Um, First British title holder. Uh, obviously, we'll not really know exactly how they feel about him if he does. If they do put him over, but I would have thought you're probably right. Well, that probably will be Roman, but at least hopefully he'll he'll put in a, a stellar effort, losing effort if it is to be a losing one. Talks about Kurt and Baron, Triple H and Bautista, no holds barred, and a retirement match. Well, I mean, it's a bit curious, isn't it, that it's a retirement match? Really, I, I think um, I think Dave will probably win because I think that's one of those things where the last time he really? came, yeah, I do, and the reason I do is because the last time he came back. 
I know that he was promised a few things that, that, that weren't delivered on, and I'd be surprised if he comes back again. I mean, I say that, you know, he's he's made a, a good career of himself in, out in Hollywood now, hasn't he? So he probably doesn't need to necessarily have another match, but I wonder whether he'd bother coming back if he wasn't going to get a little get go over here. With the money that Trips makes out of those matches that he goes and wrestles in Saudi Arabia and Australia and everywhere else, on top of what he already gets as an executive, with the draw that he still is in those markets with the fact that Bautista isn't somebody who is readily available to them, I can't imagine Triple H losing that match. Hmm. I just can't. It just doesn't work in my mind. Like, it's ridiculous to take an asset like that and... But, of course, they could just always reverse it. They could always find... You know, he could lose and then still turn up in a match. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's it. How many retirements have been reversed in wrestling? Uh, Shane and The Miz? Um, I think... I mean, you can never count, really count against Shane, but I, I think I'd like to see the Miz go over there. Yeah, I think the same. AJ and Randy. I think AJ goes over. I think AJ should go over. Yeah. But yeah. so we then get into the title matches: Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio. I would, I'd, I'd rather see Samoa Joe retain, even though Rey Mysterio has been brilliant on return. Yeah. Bobby and Finn. I think the the demon claims it. Yeah, I think I, I think that might well happen. He's, he's due a good WrestleMania moment again, isn't he? Finn. So before we get to the three... Well, no, in fact, let's do the main events, and then I'm going to ask you a, a question once we've got through it. So Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. I'd love to see Kofi win that now. I think Daniel Bryan will probably will probably retain, but I'd like to see Kofi win. See, I think Kofi wins now. Do you really? Yeah. Because I, of I, the momentum he's picked up in, yeah. in the sort of... The, it's the Daniel Bryan thing, isn't it? He's the new Daniel Bryan in terms of what happened at 30. The, the promo they cut on SmackDown this week of him turning around and saying that and basically being like, I've been in your shoes. Yeah. And you think you feed off them. They feed off you. It's not going to last. And it was brilliant. It was so cutting and so fantastic. And just Daniel Bryan, you continue to be a man I love. It'd be a great coronation if Kofi wins that. I think yeah. everyone, will, everyone in the crowd will be really up for that. Um, Brock, Seth. Seth doesn't win, I'll be... That's the one thing that will annoy me. Interestingly, it's um, it's 50-50 in the old uh, bookies at the moment for who goes over there. I think that's really interesting. I, I, you can never back against Brock. Every time you think that Brock is due to be beaten on the grandest stage, he almost inevitably ends up wheedling out or going over. But I really think that it's time now for him to move away from this part-time champion position, give it to Seth, and get, let Seth go on another run with it because he's he's been outstanding every time that he's held a major title. And then the women, the trips. Rousey, Becky, there's, Charlotte. There's only one answer. It has to be Becky Lynch. I think that, um, you know, it's various, various reasons, as much as I absolutely love Charlotte Flair and I very much enjoyed what Ronda's done. I think if you you can't, you cannot deny Becky her moment after the momentum that's been picked up by her in recent months and the, and the, and she's probably the, you know, aside from Roman Reigns, maybe the biggest star in the company right now in terms of fan support. I and, think it would be an absolute travesty if she doesn't go over. Particularly if it is the main event in the traditional headlining sense. Yeah. We have seen WWE previously call something a main event and not have it on last. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure they consider at least four of these matches to be main event level, if not yeah. more. But if it's last on, you can't end with anything but the Becky moment. I agree. And I think you can do it in a clever way as well. I mean, if you want to keep, keep give Ronda her, her um, keep her undefeated streak, you can, you know, you can get I think Becky to go over Charlotte or something like that. I'd think, like her to beat Ronda, I but think I think... she does. I think you could preserve it if you if you needed to to sort of run with another storyline, but a lot yeah. of it, it depends on whether Ronda sticks around. That's exactly right, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, but yeah, that'd the, be great. The big question is: we mostly agreed there, bar one or two. Yeah. 
So where are the mania surprises coming from? Yeah, that, that's I mean, John outside of Cena, Cena may be one, I suppose. Otherwise, there's not, and I have to say, uh, it's is a is a stacked card in terms of all the big names are on it. But there are a few matches that would be quite nice if there were sort of you know culminations of people who you'd like to see facing each other rather than just one of the one one person facing another one that's not necessarily a dream matchup in there so you're right it doesn't seem like it's particularly full of surprises this year at this moment in time but which means that we're going to have our pants pulled down and come Sunday night we're going to be like so many surprises yeah I mean you know could could The Rock make an appearance somewhere down the line who knows could yeah. Conor McGregor pitch up at Wrestlemania who knows you know these things Bit strange gronk. things have happened who knows but um, yeah maybe maybe even Gronk the, the revival even said that they half expected to be facing Gronk and Mojo. <laughs> you can imagine, yeah. Already at Mania, amazing. Well, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a long, you know, full show anyway. But um, it'll be it'll be nice if we get a few twists and turns along the way, wouldn't it? I'm sure we sound incredibly tired. So let's take a break, and then you can listen to if you want to, and it's well worth it because it's fascinating. The entire Triple H press conference from the end of NXT, which you won't hear in full anywhere else. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, I thought we had a hell of a night. Um, I know I sound like a broken record sometimes when I come in here and say uh, that it was an amazing night. And I, I say that I don't know how we're going to top it. And then we do and the talent go out there and, and tear it up. But uh, this was a special week. Um you know, a, a, a special week for NXT, for WWE, for this, uh, for where we are right now in this moment in time to come to New York City again, 
Um, completely sold out here tonight, 15,697 in the house. Um, that's the, uh, the highest um, attended event in NXT history. And also uh, tonight was the highest grossing event in NXT history. Um, but to come here on this week and do that here on Friday night, Hall of Fame tomorrow night, somebody's getting put in the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, 75,000 people sold out WrestleMania on Sunday to come back here at Barclays Monday and Tuesday. Just an epic week to start it off like we did tonight to um, potentially, depending on your point of view, put on a show that will be tough to follow for anybody. I don't care. Uh, stadium show, not stadium <clears throat> show. Anything that takes place after tonight has its work cut out for them. Um, and uh, and that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. So um, I'm going to turn it over to you guys and let you ask some questions. All right, so we got a lot of people in the room and a couple people on the phone, so we're going to do two domestic, two international, and then two to the phone. So. <laughs> so we have more people in the room, but we're doing it the same as always. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, should we? Should we start with... You go where you want, man. I'm going gonna... to... Mike Johnson, PW Insider. Hey, Paul, how are you? Good. I'm sorry, I didn't see I'm that. I'm in the back here. Yeah. Um, obviously, the UK match was one of the highlights of the show. Um, what sort of details can you give us about the decision to integrate the UK match into the show tonight and uh, when we're looking at another UK takeover? And are you going to do more sort of crossovers between the two brands for the big events? So I think that the timing was right in the build. It felt right that it should be here in in uh, in New York that that match itself particularly Pete and Walter um, felt right as far as the next NXT takeover for the UK there's we're definitely planning it's a you know when you do 600 live events a year it's a little bit of putting together a, a puzzle and uh, trying to fit all the pieces in the right place and and we've had some things shift around internationally um, for us so uh, just trying to figure out where it's going to sit, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to wait on this one. I wanted to to make it happen in a big way, um, because it felt epic and it felt like this was the right pl platform in which to do it. And clearly, they delivered on it, um, which makes me think I made the right decision. So, um, but I look forward to getting back over there. And you know, as that brand continues to grow, it's one of the most watched things on the WWE Network and uh, continues to grow. When we were there the last time in Blackpool, you know, it trended uh, number one and all throughout the top 10 worldwide for the entire two hours against some pretty stiff competition. So, um, you know, that brand continues to grow. I'm, I'm excited to get back over there and, and take it to an even another level, but um, we just have to get the timing right. Thank you. Uh, Jeff. Paul, it's been so interesting to see how- Sorry, just say- uh, Justin Barasa Sports Illustrated. Thank you. Thank you. It's so interesting to see how you built the promotion into a brand, and a big part of that, obviously, is, is creating new stars. Balor goes to the main roster, Joe goes to the main roster. And I'm so curious, your opinion tonight of three big pieces, two of which are on the card tonight, Walter, uh, Matt Riddle, who was excellent in defeat, and Kushida. Obviously, two of the first two wrestled tonight, but what you see in all three of those, you can assess the performance of the first two, and what do you see in Kushida, too, seems like a great sign for you guys. Yeah, the, that, so it's the trick, it's, you know, it's funny when we first started NXT, I can remember the first big series of people leaving and uh, everybody saying it's done. 
Like, uh, it was great, nice little run, but it's over. You know, um, this is the problem, the inherent problem of it. And I remember saying at that time, it's not the problem, it's the secret. It is, it is what will make it successful because it will constantly cause us to um, create and to evolve and to grow. The brand that it was five years ago is nowhere near the brand that it is today. It wasn't a year ago, it wasn't the year before that, right? It, it, it constantly evolves and changes. Um, and that is the secret and the magic to it. Constantly having those talent um, rise up. And, and you know, Morrow, who's like the human fact machine, uh, among other things. Uh, but, you know, I think he said something tonight, like 14 champions from NXT are at WrestleMania on Sunday. 80% of the main roster right now of Raw and SmackDown came out of NXT. Um, I think there's maybe two or three matches on the card that don't have an NXT performer in them. Uh, you know, mine being one, the old-timey matches, you know. Um, the ones that will air in black and white, those ones didn't. That, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's the magic of it. And that, that is the, that's the, that is what I think is awesome about it. And at a certain point in time, uh, I think you're going to see people drift back and forth, in and out, right? We're, we're just creating this wealth of stars and putting them on a global platform. And the level of star that they are when they walk in the door, even if, if, they, if they have a, a past and a following, we were just talking about this earlier today, and, and uh, Alistair and Ricochet were talking about it, like the level of performer that you come in and the level of performer that you leave, it's a, it's a different ballgame how much better they get and it's hard to see it sometimes but when you go back and you look at it it's it's very clear um but that's the secret of this when you talk about the future of here um it's bright the, the fact that you can be what were we two weeks out of the biggest show in the in the brand's history and the main event you know, that your champion, unfortunately, has to step out due to injury, and you can just pick it up, flip it, and it's just as epic, and it means just as much off of the two and a half year or more uh, saga going into it. That speaks to the, the depth of it. Um, you see Walter coming in as, as good as Pete's on his Ben for, what was it, 685 days or something like that? I don't know why I'm looking at him. Um, <laughs> um, as, good as, as good as that was, um, you know, to be able to come in there and, and take that and, and move forward with that. Um, I'm sure there's some type of political statement somebody will want to ask me about, about the European and the Brexit thing. I was told walking in here, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, Matt Riddle, incredible talent, you know, and, and just getting started, think how good he is right now. Think how good he'll be a year from now, right? Um, with all the tools in front of him. Kushida, you know, I, I don't know how he gets better, but he will. Um, th that, that whole thing, it just continues to grow. And as good as this is right now, a year from now, I think we can look back and go, it's even better. Yeah. Tom, Tom from the Sun. Um, no, wait, you screwed up the whole thing. You said two, and then to the phone, and then you went for three. <laughs> no, I said two domestic, two international, then two to the phone. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> just making sure we stick to the rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I'll ask the question. Yeah. Big, big win for Water tonight. Does Water's win have anything to do with Brexit? Of course. Of course. It's all a political game. The whole thing, we're just making political statements what we do. <laughs> no, no, dude, he's just awesome. He's awesome. Pete's awesome. It's the right, right time to do the right thing. Um, I don't know. He wanted me to make some kind of statement about the UK falling and making a comeback or something like that. Uh, to be honest, I don't understand the whole Brexit thing. Uh, just get in or get out. Pick one. You know what I mean? Um, but whatever, whatever you guys need to do. Just, I, I, don't, uh, I don't see UK or Europe. When I look at those guys, I see talent. I don't look at the difference between them, the guys and the women. I just see talent. I see epic talent. I see it in Walter. I see it in Pete. Uh, this is weekly for wrestling from Japan. Hi. Um, we had a question on Kushida. Yes. So, what led you to decide on having the contract with him, and um, what do you expect from him? And um, okay, how is the reaction? What do you think of the reaction tonight? Um, well, first of all, his reaction was massive. Um, you know, we we tend to put people in the crowd and to try to gauge those reactions. He's probably got one of the biggest ones we've ever done because he's a star. Um, has a, a massive international following and in this week there's massive international presence here. Um, he is somebody that we've had our eye on for a long time. Somebody that I've, I've, um, you know, honestly if I said who would I like to have here, he would have been at the very top of my list. Um, so I couldn't be more excited to have him here. I know Regal feels the same way. Um, he's a, a, a massive signing for us and, and having him come here and do what he does. And what do I expect? I expect him to be awesome. I expect him to be everything he's been everywhere else. Um, and to, uh, to, to, you know, to display what he does. We'll give him the opportunity here to display it like he's never had before. Thank you. All right, so we're going to go to the phones for two questions, please. It is star one. If you have a question or a comment, we'll hear first from Jim Barcelona from Miami Herald. Hey, Jim. Oh, congrats on an awesome show. Hey, congrats on an awesome show. Your thought process with Ciampa coming out at the end, just what was the reasons behind that from your standpoint? Were there talks of not doing that? How did that all plan out for you? Um, yeah, you know, it's, it, you go back and forth on it and where do you want to land on it? Um, I think that from a real standpoint. If you competitively look at this, you want to succeed as much as humanly possible. And you want to be in that spot. That's what everybody, man and woman, should want here. They want to be in that spot. Um, that spot gets taken away from you. You want the guy that's closest to you to have that spot when you don't. That's just sort of kind of how it works. I think even from, a, if you talked about it from a storyline standpoint, while Tommaso Ciampa, the evil Tommaso Ciampa, um, would want to have it himself, if he isn't going to have it, then he would probably want Johnny to have it. Even though they're entrenched in this war, he might as well have it if I can't. Um, I think that's part of it. It's, it's an emotional ride, and knowing where he's at right now, knowing what he's going through, showing what he's going through from that real side on it on uh you know the the wwe pc youtube stuff that if you've seen that um you know shows you a lot of the the real epic journeys of kind of what all these talent really go through on a day-to-day -day basis to try to make it in this industry um 
it was a real moment. And to me, sometimes those are the best moments by far. It's the stuff that you can't script, the stuff that you can't write. The it's um, that that's the most meaningful. And this was one of those moments, and it was the right thing to do, for my opinion, anyways. You know, but we debated it and got to where we got to. But it was an epic okay. moment. Okay. Again, great show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, another one on the phone. We'll move. We'll move next to Andrew Thompson from Fightful. Andrew, how are you? How are you, Triple H? Good. Self. How you doing? I'm great. I wanted to ask you about our question. Which I was going to ask about uh, Pete Dunne and then his 685 day reign as NXT, NXT UK champion. Um, could there be a main roster run in the future for Pete Dunne? And was there any consideration of having him hold the note as he was nearing the two-year mark, which is one month left? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things weigh into the factor. As far as a, 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 a Raw, SmackDown, or anything else run, yeah, I mean, that's... He, he will do amazing things with his career. I think, what is Pete now, 20? I would lose track, what's he, 23? 23, 24? He's just getting started. Um, it's it's amazing how good he is at the age that he's at and he's another guy that when you look at him starting with us uh, just a couple of years ago even over there how good he's become how much better he is now than he was then um, it's awesome to see but you know it's a funny thing when something like this goes down and you say the, the moment in time well that came to an end so now where does he go like onward and upward uh whether he's back in that title picture, whether he's moves on to a different title picture, it's. I don't know that there's too many people here with a brighter future than him. You know, he's going to be able to do whatever he wants to do in this business. Okay, back to the room. Thank you. Uh, hi, Paul. Hey. Um, my question was about Velveteen Dream and uh, Matt Riddle. The crowd was like behind Velveteen Dream and really not like Matt Riddle. What was your take on that reaction, and does that affect their trajectory at all in NXT? No, I, it's a funny thing because they, you know, I felt like it was almost fifty-fifty up front. Um, but again, I wasn't in the crowd though. You were. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, I don't know if that's accurate from where we were. That's what it sounded like. But but either way, look, you take two characters that are that popular and you stick them in the ring together. It it's tough for them to stay 50-50 the whole time. Um, I think we showed a frustration point in Matt. I think that's part of what's going to get him to the next level because he is kind of calm and laid back and having those points in time where somebody pushes him to get to another level of emotion. That's a good thing. It doesn't mean, I, I think when he walks out of here, it doesn't mean he's less popular. Um, tough to be more popular than Velveteen Dream maybe in this moment, especially with an entrance like that. Um, yeah, I think they both had an epic night. I think it was, uh, th this whole night across the board to me, that no, nobody lost tonight. Everybody came out of this show, and that's, that, that's kind of the goal in all of these things is um, everybody came out of here better. Better performers, better reactions, better everything. They just became bigger stars, all of them tonight. Win, lose, or draw, all the way through. Bigger stars. Cool. Thank you. Uh, Fritz. Hi, Fritz. So you've had Johnny Gargano now with NXT for about two years. How would you compare what he was like um, when he came in, where he is now, and where have you seen him grow? 
oh my God, the level of emotional performer that he is, is just changed dramatically. I mean, he was really good, don't get me wrong, then. And um, he wasn't handed anything here. You know, he had a scratch and claw, and we've talked about that story, but it wasn't like he, you know, we saw him and just said, hey, here's a contract, and, you know, get, get on board. I didn't have the space. I didn't have the, the thing. We offered him a chance. They over-delivered. We offered him another chance. They over-delivered. You know, we just kept kept coming back, scratch, claw, dig, the whole thing. They just worked harder than everybody else, both he and Tommaso. Um, to earn those spots, but from for both of them, the level of polished, all-around character, the level of emotion, I, I look at it differently. You know, it's not, it's not the spots or the, the the moves. It's how do they pull emotion out of you in these things, um, and and by the end of it, where, where are you at emotionally? And the level of performer that he is now. It's not even on the same league as where he was when he started. He's just so much more polished and calm, and there's situations that he he just seamlessly things don't go right, seamlessly gets out of him. It's it's amazing to see, um, but that's taking advantage of everything that's in front of him, and he continues to grow. It's it's awesome to watch, really. It really is my favorite part of the performance center is just watching talent um, go from where they are to just becoming something more constantly on a day-to-day basis and, and watching that growth curve, whether that's, you know, Velveteen Dream, you know, walking in the door with us in the very beginning with, with just the tools and, and becoming what he is now. It's just those growth curves, Shayna Baszler going from where she was to where she is now, um, Bianca Belair just walking in the door at zero to where she is right now. Like the, the the growth curve on these talent is amazing, and um, what he's done in the, the you know, you think about it, a couple of years, but it's a short period of time, it really is. It's it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Will Gavin, thank you. Uh, Will Gavin, talk sport. I know he talks a bit about Pete's future, but can I just ask a question on his reign and how it legitimised the NXT UK brand? And have you been in any way surprised by just how quickly that brand has been successful? I don't want to say surprised because I, you know, when we started it, I, it wasn't hard to see the level of talent and and what you could do with that talent. Um, I think it's it being embraced by the rest of everybody else because it's it's a different style somewhat. You know, the thing that impresses me about all the guys in and and women in that brand is the way they've been able to morph styles and make them their own. Even prior to us coming in there, there was like this neat little hodgepodge blend of these little bits of everywhere that were all just kind of put together but yet set in this classic you know UK old school style I love it um, and it was easy to see that and taking them and you know it, it was funny when we first started with them sometimes the simplest things we would say to them like this simple little thing and they would look at us like Wow, that's mind blowing. I've never heard that before. You know, uh, Pete actually said that to Sean and I one time. Like, I've I literally have never heard that, and we were like, "This is like <laughs> the simple thing," but it was like this epiphany moment to him. And then they came back after doing it, and we're like, "Oh my god, that just got so much exponentially easier." Um, to see those moments for them is awesome. Was I surprised by the success? No, but um, excited by it. And uh, I think we're just even just now nicking the surface. It just, 
it takes time to get it to where you want to be. And, you know, for, for two years, everybody's going, geez, this thing's taking forever. I can't believe they're not doing this yet. And then we got there and they were like, geez, it happened so fast. You know, <laughs> we're going to take it to another level. We just have to make it. I, I want to make sure it's right. I don't want to do it halfway. I want to make sure that it's right so that every step of it, it continues to grow and become something more. Um, hi, hey. uh, I was just wondering if the upcoming Fox deal in the fall might open up any possibilities for NXT transferring over to mainstream TV. Okay, you have to ask the Fox guys that. <laughs> um, I, I think the opportunities are there for a lot of things. I know there's a lot of interest in NXT as a, as a brand. I know um, both here and the UK, I know that... Um, there's a lot of interest in it, but it's it's a, a very valuable commodity to the network as well, right? It's it's, it's you know the, the number one and number two most watched thing on the network by far, um, outside of pay-per-views. So it's um, from that standpoint very very valuable. So is is that an opportunity? Absolutely. I think you see that even just in the fact that today, you know, I was on FS1 this morning and um, we announced that they we're going to do a a show. Which uh, what term did they call it? I can't remember the term they used for it. Anyways, it's late. I was up early, um, but but it, it, you know it'll be kind of a recap show where they analyze the different shows. But it'll be raw. It'll be SmackDown and it'll be NXT, okay. and they'll discuss all those shows and you know sort of kind of a cross between a a, a UFC Tonight type show and a, and a Talking Dead somewhere in that mix in between and, and talking about all of it. But the fact that they really want NXT to be a big piece of that shows you the interest level. So we'll see. Thank you. Back to the phones for two. And at this time, there are no callers in the queue. Great. Well, so back to awesome. the room. Uh, Tim? You're all here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Packed house. Uh, so he's fine. Um, yeah, me, immediate concern. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, he, he was absolutely fine. And, you know, look, uh, that's one of those things when we, you kind of saw the landing, we all went into protection mode for him and, uh, everybody got in there and luckily he was, he was good, you know, um, but we don't like to take chances on all that. So, um, luckily he was fine, but, uh, that, that was, that was that was us going like, oh my God, get in there and make sure he's okay. You know what I mean? And uh, ended up being fine. Jay Reddick from the Orlando Center. You talked about how fast the turnaround had to be in creative to get the champion call. Talk about the, the first couple of meetings after, you know, after that injury happened, after you knew, because you sort of had to flip it in one night of taping to full sale. Yeah. Talk about creative there. Um, you just uh, have everybody bring as many ideas as they can to the table uh, from everywhere, and then you sift through them, and then you have to uh, weigh them all out. And you know, there's there's no scientific formula that tells you which one is the best. It's gut, right? And so you feel it out. You sit on it for a little bit, you let everybody sit on it, you let everybody come back with their opinions and all of that, and then 
you just have to, somebody got to make a decision. In this case, it's me, and I have to, I have to determine which one uh, we're going to go with. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways we could have gone, but and, and a lot of them would have been right, I think. But I think we we picked the absolute best one. I feel by far, I, it was kind of one of those things where once. Once we got them all on the table, I never like to make a decision until I hear them all. But once they were all on the table, I really kind of felt like I knew where I wanted to go with it. And how we were going to get there is a different story. Then once you figure it out, then you got to start to work the process of it. Um, but again, the the depth of the pool, the ability then of those performers to be able to take it to another level, to be to be able to even then in one night to be able to go to full sale, do that five way. Um, the level of performers that are in that some you know you can some been in this business a long time some haven't and but to take that level of performance and you know uh, I when we got done that taping Sean and uh, Michael Hayes and I all looked at each other and were like was it just me or did that feel as epic as we were in an epic place that felt like it was just as good and we were all like like this is absolutely gonna be the right thing so uh, but that's on them that's on the talent it's the go home cue right there <laughs> So you've had uh, access, you have the Cross Brand uh, Worlds Collide event. Yes. Compared to smaller, all of the WWE brands. Yeah. Is that something that you foresee being just for access, or would you like to expand it and do other pay-per-views and other events? Uh, we'll see uh, where it goes. Like, I, I think it's one of the great things that as you... Was, did the game just start? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> um... The, um, you know, as, as you create this and you have NXT, you have NXT UK, and we've talked about the, the going forward, the putting a performance center in the UK, um, what markets do we go to next? You know, uh, India, China, all these other markets where we can go and create brands. Are they as easy as UK? No, but as we create those, you're creating those other opportunities to have all these Worlds collide, um, and to to have that be something that's epic. To have um, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, all these things to have these different moments, and especially as you know NXT talent move up and move over and change to all these places to have alumni come together. There's just so many possibilities on all of it to do amazing things and matches that people uh, don't think they're going to get and 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 kind of do these one-offs and tournaments and all these things. They're all great opportunities that, if you're a fan, um, they're, they're awesome. You know, I, I, kind of how I judge all this stuff, like I just go back to being a kid, and if, if I think to myself, if I was just watching this in this moment, I'd love to see all that stuff. So uh, let's create it. Are we doing another one? more or you want to wrap? Do, 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 one, do one more while, while I'm fighting the TV. It's, it's unplugged. One more. National question. Will Gavin, make it a good one. Uh, just on Ricochet and Alistair Black, emotional send-off for them today. What you imagine for them moving up to Raw and SmackDown and who you think can step up and 
take the opportunities that them leaving think, offers. Yeah, I think both of them have already stepped up. They've been doing triple duty here for like the last, <laughs> what, two months? Raw, SmackDown, NXT, um, delivering on all of it. I mean, I think did they had like a title match this past week. They had a title match tonight. They have a title match tomorrow. It's a pretty good week. Um, what's that? They lose all three. Well, that's, yeah, that's all right. That's a good exp- <laughs> it's, good, it's good exposure. It's good exposure in the moment. Why has everything got to be a negative with you? Um, you know, it's it's. I think it's always a bittersweet thing. You know, you you, you want to take that next level. You want that next challenge. I think in in many ways it's like you know if you looked at NXT as college football and you're leaving your school and you're leaving your teammates and you're leaving all these things to move on to to something different, but you're looking forward to that challenge and and that opportunity. It's not an easy challenge; it's a different challenge, and and uh, you have to be able to step up to a different platform and all those things. So it's it's not a given; it's not a gimme. Um, and they have to be able to get, you know, that that's when the real work starts and they have to be able to step up and, and do all those things. They, so far, they've done it amazingly well. Um, I think the future is incredibly bright for both of those talent. But it's a bittersweet moment, you know, and um, I told both of them when they were done, this is always their home. You know, it's a funny thing because they're staying in the mix, right? Like they're in, the, it's the same company. But th- there's those moments and, and not being in the same place with the same people all the time and, you know the the team atmosphere of the performance center and everything else. Uh, it's a different world. So, um, really exciting, and they're both thrilled. But same point in time, it's bittersweet. Um, as far as who takes their place, we talked about it earlier. I can I can make a list of ten people that on the roster right now that could probably do it uh, seamlessly. That's the beauty of this. Um, you know, you have. Uh, you have talent sitting right behind them, and you know you know the list of the people that have come in even in just in the last few months, and that's not the people that have been there for a little while now. So, um, the truth is, I remember hearing the story that Stone Cold tells all the time about standing next to Vince. Uh, I think it was at Madison Square Garden, and saying, you know, man, he's good. And Vince said, yeah, he is. I hope he makes it. And Austin looking at him and thinking, why would he say that? Doesn't he kind of control that? You know, and. The truth is it isn't you know there's there's a component to that but what you do with the platform that you're given is what makes you or or, or doesn't um and and people can debate that but there's a, a lot of that is the truth because when it's there trust me we will follow it so um they have the platform let's see what they do with it so when we look at the rest of the roster who's going to take their place there's a there's a big long list we'll see who steps up and takes it but uh, thank, thank all of you uh, for coming here. I know it's a big week. Thank you for coming to the show. Thank you for doing this and, and supporting what we're doing and, and stepping up to it. And uh, I look forward to reading all your comments and uh, seeing what everybody says. But I think we set a hell of a template and, and, a, and a, a pace for the rest of the week. And good luck to everybody trying to follow it. So thank you very much. That was Triple H. This has been the Pro Wrestling Show. And we are back some point this weekend 
once me and Sammy have had some, we sound tired. We've sounded tired this whole show. People will be at home going, oh, they sound tired. So They will, but don't worry about that because um, they will have enjoyed this premium content that we're putting out for them, putting all this effort in. And um, after WrestleMania, we'll have more, but hopefully sounding a bit more awake. <laughs> Good. Sammy, go get some sleep. I'll get this out into the world. Thank you so much for listening at Pro Wrestle Show on Twitter, uh, TalkSport, a lot of the content's going out there, TalkSport.com forward slash WWE, uh, and we I'll be doing an Insta story, we're doing the Insta story from my own account and Sam's own account, Will Gavin, at Sam K. Steve, Samuel K. Stevens, sorry, but I'll be doing an official TalkSport Insta story from Mania on Sunday, so look out for that as well. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening, this has been the Pro Wrestling Show. Take care.